Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How excited are you about the Word of God? You got your shouting clothes on? Well, glory to God, you're going to use them. Amen. We're going to shout right Hallelujah. Around the throne of God. In, in case you'd forgotten, I didn't. I am not going to conclude. Neither am I going to say I'm going to come to an end. I'm just going to say I am going to stop today on the parable of the sower. We're just going to stop that series after today's message. For the time being, anyhow. So if you'll open up your Bibles, well, just go ahead and open up to, to Matthew 13. That's where we started the whole thing about 20 some odd lessons ago. And uh, the only thing I want to, want to point out, we're going to, as I said, we're going to get involved in some other things, but we, we want to give it some kind of an ending so those that want to buy the tapes and everything and want to have the whole complete set. But we may open this thing back up as time goes on as we're led by the Holy Spirit. We'll do it. But right now we want to close it for the time being. We'll just stop, we'll say. But in this 13th chapter, the things I want to point out to you, let's go to verse 11. Let's just summarize some things that we talked about. The object of the parable Subject of the parable is the Word of God. The object of the parable is to bear fruit or to get results in your individual life through God's Holy Word. God's sole purpose in the life of the believer is that he be self-sufficient in Christ. Self-sufficient in Christ. Now listen. Paul said, I am content. Or I am self-sufficient. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now he's talking about his own need to be met. He knows how to go to the throne of God and receive anything he needs from God at any given time. That is God's purpose in our individual lives. That we get to the place that we are self-sufficient in Christ Jesus. I didn't say independent of one another. We need the body. The body must work together. But you can't have a bunch of babies working together. You've got to have people that are grown up and mature in God's Word working together so we can help the babies to grow up into Christ. Amen? And it's time somebody started to grow up. And I don't know about you, but I chose to grow up. Amen? I made that quality decision that I would. So, let's just look at verse 11. It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So the important thing we're, we're realizing in the parable that we expounded on is that this is the mystery of the operation of the kingdom of God in the individual heart of the believer. That's verse 11 in Matthew 13. I read from Jesus when he started speaking. So it's important for us to know how the operation of the kingdom of God or the word of God works in our own hearts. If you'll understand that, then according to Mark 4, as a matter of fact, just slip over there real quick. I'll just highlight a few things and then we'll just move right along in what I want to get across to you. Mark 4, verse 13, where Mark said, and he said unto them, Know you not this parable? 
Now, if, if this is your first time here in this series, I want you to grab a hold of how important this is. Know you not this parable, the question Jesus asked? And how then will you know all parables? People are trying to find out the truth of God's Word and they're looking everywhere but where Jesus said to look. This parable will explain to you how all the kingdom of God works. It'll, it'll open up to you all parables. And that's why we spent so much time in it and we're going to spend more time appropriating what truth we found out through this parable. But this is the gist of it. Through this understanding and wisdom and understanding that's found in the parable of the sower, you could understand the operation of the kingdom of God in your heart and it will be revealed to you the mystery of that operation. If you hear with your spiritual ears and see with your spiritual eyes. Now, we said as we read on through the parable that love was the soil. There was no root in the heart of the person who heard the word by the wayside. We said that we are to be rooted and grounded in what? Okay, I'm highlighting now. So if you weren't here, you're going to have to either get some tapes or get some notes or something. But rooted and grounded in love. That's Ephesians 3, 14, right on through 20. You can read it yourself. The root is the love of God. The whole motivation behind all that God does for you, the motive behind everything that God does for you, stems from His love. Faith which worketh by love. Or faith is energized by love. God loves you so much. You know, my faith got a lot of energy when I found out how much God loves me. When I found out that He wasn't the one making me sick and He didn't want me to be sick, I said, glory be to God. His love for me is so far-reaching that I just knew all I have to do is turn to Him. See, it energized my faith. Faith is energized through God's love for you. And when you find that out, the first thing it'll do, brother and sister, is it'll produce hope. Did you know that? When a person is given up, let's say given up to die or there is no hope according to the medical field, and someone comes along and says, you know God loves you so much He wants to heal you. Well, the doctor just said there's no hope. But that person just said, glory to God, you mean I could be healed? First thing that rises up in that person's heart is there's hope. Now, you know what faith is? Faith is the substance of your hope. If you didn't have any hope, you didn't have any... Faith can't give substance to anything. Because faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. And if you didn't have any hope in it, faith cannot work. It has nothing to grab a hold of. Okay. Then we said that... And I'm just, like I said, summarizing... The parable, affliction and persecution will come for the word's sake, right? That's what Jesus said. When you receive the word in any given area, affliction and persecution is following. It's coming for the word's sake. But we said there are two spiritual forces. And remember that all these forces work by faith. I'm not discounting the force of faith. I am taking for granted that you understand that faith is the force behind the entire operation. God is a faith God. Amen. And Jesus said, have the faith of God to us. Mark eleven twenty two. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. Amen. Okay. So we've got to understand that faith is the spiritual force that causes all these things to work. So the two forces of joy and of patience. When affliction or persecution come your way, we are to rise up in joy and patience. Joy is just delighting yourself in the things of God and just releasing that joy from your spirit through faith. When somebody gives you a flat tire, you don't get out there and just start 
getting upset, you go, glory be to God, hallelujah. Bless that person, Father God, in Jesus' name. I count it all joy when persecution comes my way. Now, those are two spiritual forces, the force of joy and patience, that if you'll get them and release them from your spirit, when any trial, persecution, tribulation, or affliction comes your way, you will be grounded enough in the Word of God to dispel all the forces of darkness that's coming against you. Now, I didn't want to stop there. That's about a very quick summary of what we talked about. But we're going to go to something else. We're talking about the, persons who's, the person whose heart is fixed, established, trusting in the Lord. And it's the good heart of this parable. Let's take a look at verse 20. And we'll just give you a little bit of ground to stand on. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit. Notice he said this is the good ground. And the ground is the heart of the believer. The good ground brings forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now, we talked about all these things. But I want to express to you that I'm now leaning in towards this good ground again. Turn with me to Colossians, the third chapter, verse 16. We're going to see something here. The good ground. Any farmers out there? When you've got rich soil, you've got good ground. Amen? I mean, you don't want to plant your crops in a bunch of clay and stones. No, you want to plant your crops in good ground. So, the Bible's teaching us we are to plant the Word of God into good soil. And how could our hearts be good? Well, we showed you some ways before. First of all, joy, patience, love, joy, patience. Now we're going to get into something called wisdom. In the third chapter, verse 16 of the book of Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you, how? In all. Okay. Now underline that in your Bible. The word is to dwell in your heart richly in all wisdom. Now let me give you some definitions. I want you to tie two words together. Today, wisdom and peace. Wisdom and peace. First of all, wisdom is the ability to use or to apply knowledge. You see how these things work. It'll get you to shouting. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. Knowledge is nothing. Knowledge of God's Word brings what? Faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the Word of God, you receive knowledge of God's Word. Okay, you receive that knowledge, that knowledge brings light and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge you have of God's Word. You found out that, that you could be saved by being born again. So you ran off down the street, you got the first guy, you got your first friend, and you just about shook him and said, Glory to God, you know you're going to hell. You had, the, you had the knowledge and you had the faith, but you certainly didn't have any wisdom. Right? You didn't have the ability to use what you found out through God's Word. You should have said, glory to God, you know Jesus loves you and wants you to go to heaven? That's a little bit more wisdom. And uh, if you're not guilty of it, I think we all have been guilty of misusing the knowledge of God's Word. Even though we have the truth, we go out there and we present it in a way that it's not pleasant. And the Bible teaches us against that. 
He that wins souls is wise or has wisdom and uses the wisdom of God to win those souls. Okay, now, he said here, let the word of Christ dwell in you with all wisdom or in all wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge of God. Peace. Write that down if you're taking notes. Peace. And we're going to see something here. Is quietness or the sense of rest or contentment, quietness or the sense of rest or contentment that results from a harmonizing relationship with God, that results from a harmonizing relationship with God. When you operate in the wisdom of God, you will be harmonizing with God. Peace is the results of operating in the wisdom of God. A peace will come upon you. A quietness. Now, we're talking about spiritual things. I'm not talking about your natural man, your outward being. But the peace will begin to rule in your heart. Go back to verse 15 and we'll see it. Okay? It says, And let the peace of God rule in your heart. In other words, let the peace of God be the umpire or make the decisions in your heart. Now, these two forces are going to work together on your behalf and they're going to be like a light bulb. Green light or red light, we'll say. You'll get a check in your spirit. You will not have the peace in your spirit if you're not operating in the wisdom of God. If you're not operating in the wisdom of God, you go to your spirit, man. It'll let you know. It will not be dominant in your heart. You won't have that peace down here like you're supposed to have. Like a velvety-like feeling on the inside. Your circumstances around you may be ugly. You may need to pay that bill by tomorrow and you don't have the money to pay that bill. But when you release faith, now, notice this. You can know that your God supplieth all your needs, all you want. And this is why people that preach faith, they get a lot of feedback. Because a person will say, well, I took that scripture, Philippians 4.19, my God supplieth all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and I didn't get it. Well, you see, you're calling God a liar. God said, I supply all your need. You have the knowledge. It brought faith into your spirit, but you did not have the wisdom to use that knowledge to appropriate or to apply that scripture to meet your need. And you never, and I guarantee you by the word of God, you never had peace about it right down here in your spirit. Because if you had the peace of God in your heart, ruling in your heart, you would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that before you saw that money, you had it in your hand as far as you were concerned. The wisdom of God calls those things that be not as though they are. And we're going to see that in a minute. So wisdom then, when you operate in the wisdom of God, it will produce peace that passes all understanding. And that's how you'll know either green light or red light by looking to your spirit. We're told to let that peace be the guide or to be the umpire in our spirits. It is to rule in our heart. Let's read the whole scripture. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. By, by how? See? Let that word dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, which produces that peace, that tranquil state inside your spirit, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that God heard your request. And you have got the petition that you desired from Him. 
As a matter of fact, I'll give you a good way to find out whether or not you are operating in the wisdom of God. Go back to Proverbs, the third chapter. We're going to see some things. Uh, the book of Proverbs is outstanding as far as teaching us the wisdom of God. People want wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God's Word, but they do not go to where it's found. It's found in the book of Proverbs, and that's why the book was written, so you and I could have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding of God. Amen? That's why it was written. It's right here. Let's take a look in verse 17 of the third chapter of the book of Proverbs, and let's just see something. In verse 17... We're talking about wisdom. We are talking about wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Every path of wisdom is the path of of peace. When you've got the peace inside your spirit, you are following the wisdom and the righteousness of God. When you got the check inside your spirit, you're not following the wisdom of God. Now, when I say this, I want you to receive it with maturity. Let's put it that way. If you say you're believing God for the healing of your body, for something that's in your body, and on the inside, you don't have the peace of God that you know that you know you received your healing. Listen carefully. Then it's time for you to get aside with God and let Him direct you as to what route you are to take in order to be delivered. In some cases, great men of faith had to send their wives to the hospital because the wisdom of God told them they don't have the faith to be healed. You hearing me? Listen. It is foolish to die because you thought you were believing God. See, God's Word will never fail. You'll never fail if you operate in the wisdom of God. Now, that's not God's best, but the wisdom of God led that person to a place where the other person could be helped and receive help until that party could receive faith and understand how to get it by the Word of God. Now, do you see why people go off and they just hear the, hear the Word of God one time, they hear about faith, they go off, they take their children off, off their insulin, and they go off and die? Well, the person never had the faith in their heart in the first place, or the wisdom of God. Now, you went off and told that person the truth about how to be born again, but you got them so mad at you that they wouldn't even listen to you. Why? Because you didn't use the wisdom of God. The ways of wisdom, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. He'll direct you, He'll rule in your heart through the peace of God to lead you and direct you to your whatever you need. If it's the healing, He'll lead you to it. If it's... Finances, He'll lead you to it. No matter what the case might be, He'll lead you to what is the best way, listen, for you. And what's the best way for you might not be the best way for me, because if I have enough faith to receive it through the Word of God, I won't go to the doctor. You understand what I'm saying? 
I'll just follow the wisdom of God. But if, if the Spirit of God spoke up and said, Hey, boy, you don't have enough faith for that, you know what I'd do? I'd either get my nose until I got the faith for it, or I'd have to just go ahead and do what the Spirit of God told me to do. Now, I know that some people have a hard time understanding the difference between the two. But regardless, you're going to have to just face this fact. If a person does not have the faith, the understanding of God's Word to receive their deliverance, God will work with you through another method. He has to do that because He loves you so much. He's not going to see you die. And I can go off and tell you some stories right now. I'm not going to get into that because I want to get to my message about people that have died at an early age. I mean in their 20s. Because they thought they were believing God and didn't and didn't get any other kind of help and they died. Now, is that the wisdom of God? Certainly not. But the ways of wisdom will produce peace and pleasantness. Let's go on and read some more of that. You'll like this. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding he has established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be life to your soul, and grace to your neck. Actually, in the Amplified, I think it says, grace to your outward body. So shall they be life unto your soul, and grace to the outward man. Then you'll walk in your way safely. Your foot shall not stumble. Now notice the 91st Psalm. The angels have charge over you to bear you up in their hand, lest you dash your foot. See, your foot will not stumble against a stone. Okay, when you lie down, you won't be afraid. You'll, you'll lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden terror. Well, he goes on to tell you how to get good rest right there in verse 24. When you're operating in the wisdom of God, you'll never have trouble about sleeping again. Can you see that? Now, the ways of wisdom are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. These are forces of the recreated human spirit that you have got to be familiar with. When you're operating in the wisdom of God, peace will rule in your heart. It will act as an umpire. It'll be just like a red light and a green light. It'll say, nope, yeah. Yeah, no. See, it tells you right on the inside, if you're doing the right thing God wants you to do. Now, your best thing to do is to, I'd say before you choose any other alternative, would be to choose the Word of God. Find what the Word of God says about your circumstance. Take that Word of God, put it in your heart, and begin the process of the sower. Fill up your spirit with the Word of God. But if it's too late, sometimes he'll lead you in another area. In, in, in many cases, that's happened. By the time the person would get their, them, their spirit filled up with God's Word, it might be too late for them. Smith Wigglesworth said, when people wait till it's too late to get faith, or when they wait till they're on their deathbed to start to find out how faith works, it's too late sometimes, they're going to die. You've got to understand that. And that's why if you've got every healthy bone in your body, you better find out how the Word of God works in the area of healing. Right now, before it gets to that, that place. Now, let's go to the first chapter of the book of Corinthians. And let's... I want to show you some things. I'm only going to give you highlights for this purpose. I want to close it out today. And if I don't give you just highlights, we'll be here from probably till tonight's service. Amen? And we've got water baptism to do tonight, so...
in the first chapter of the book of Corinthians. Let's go up. The, the, you have to read the whole thing in context for yourself. But Paul is writing and he's showing the difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. As you can see over here in verse 18 and 19. Let's go there. For the preaching of the, of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Okay, going on to verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Now catch verse 28. And base things of the world, and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not. Underline that. You make a note of that. You memorize that. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Calling those things that be not as though they are is what he's saying. The wisdom of God uses the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. That's how he confounds the wisdom of the wise and the wisdom of this world. You go off and they've got all kind of medical proof for your disease in your body. They've got x-rays. They've got all kinds of tests that they took. And all this wisdom that they got shows beyond the shadow of a doubt that there it is. There it is. But the wisdom of God calls those things that be not as though they are. To bring to naught the things that are. So there it is. It might be in your body. But you say, glory to God. I'm healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. And those, that kind of wisdom brings to naught or to nothing. It nullifies the things that are. That's the wisdom of God. You start, you know the Bible says you can have what you say, but why people just keep confessing what they have? The Lord, by the Spirit of God, said that to Charles Kemp, said, I told my people they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. Right? Listen, God, the wisdom of God calls those things that be not as though they are, and likewise, when you start calling things that are not as though they were in the negative realm... You could destroy your own life. People are afraid. Oh, I just can't seem to keep my kids in church. When they grow up, they're going to be, oh, they're just going to get involved in drugs and alcohol. And they're just going to get, oh, dear God, they're gone, they're gone. And then 20 years from now, their kids are involved in drugs, they're involved in alcohol. And they say, didn't I tell you? Yeah, you certainly did. Actually, you licensed it and you did it. But the wisdom of God calls those things that be not as though they are. It brings to naught by things that are not. It brings to naught the things that are in this world. 
Now, you've got to grab a hold of that. I know it sounds a little tricky, but let's look at it again. Verse 28. And base things which are, base things of the world and things which are despised, God hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught. The things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. I'll tell you what, when you get your neck way out there in the arena of faith, and you start saying, glory be to God Almighty, I believe I received $500. And you start calling those things that be not as though they are, that's foolishness to the world. But you can just go back into your prayer closet and you can begin to chuckle. Because all the other ones, they're going out there, they're working sometimes two and three jobs to meet their needs. And, and the Lord just said, you just call those things that be not as though they are. You just call all these things into being, into existence, and I'll see to it that they come. I know one fellow, what he did, his, he had very good businesses, but the... Spirit of God says that Satan was going to attack his businesses, and he couldn't believe it because they were so prosperous. I mean, they were just so prosperous. And this one in particular was just started to do terrible business, and it got to the point that he was going to he would have to sell it or get rid of it or just go bankrupt in that business. And so he just went to the business and he got out of the car, and he began to walk around the business, and he began to say, "I'm speaking to you." Now, if anybody saw him, they would think this guy is foolish. But he began to speak to the business and he began to say, I'm telling you, you're prosperous and you do bring in finances. And before you know it, that thing was the most prosperous that he had because he spoke to it. He called those things that were not as though they were and he brought to naught things that were by things that were not. That's the wisdom of God. And when you begin to operate in the wisdom of God, you're going to begin, I'll tell you what, you will be so happy when calamity comes your way. I mean, you will be so excited. The first thing you'll probably do is just jump about three feet in the air and say, I count it all joy, hallelujah, to watch God's word work. All I got to do is sit back. You know why a man of faith can preach the uncompromising word of God and not, take, and not get caught up in the pride? People say, oh, you're just full of pride. You can't get caught up in the pride. You know why? Because it just said right there that no flesh should glory in His presence. If I did it, or if you did it, you might get caught up in the pride. But you go out there and say, now, dear God, I didn't do a thing. All I did was spoke the Word, and the Word did it. I have no way to glory in His presence when you tell testimonies of what God did for you in your life. No way to glory, because you can't do that. But when someone gives all his degrees and all his, etc., at the name of, you know, end of his name, and he gives you all these fancy, fiery sermons that he just got and, you know, and quotes to you three or four thousand different authors and, and, and psychologists and just, you know, he's just giving you what he learned. And he could glory in your presence and give you some 50 cent words like you wouldn't believe. But somebody just come right along and just start preaching. Just, you know, he may even sound a little bit, might, might have some bad English or what, whatever. It doesn't really matter. He gives you the Word of God. He has not, nothing to glory in except for God's holy Word. God does all the work. When you start to realize that that's how the things work of God, you're going to start to see something. You're going to see your entire life change. And you will be so happy to prove God's Word is true. You won't glory because you have nothing to glory in. You couldn't do it in the flesh. But glory to God through the wisdom of God. God will get all the glory. Now, uh... I want to go, I, I wanted to give you something else, and we'll, we'll see as time allows us. 
But I want you to continue to follow me in this passage of Scripture because I want you to see something else. Well, hold your place there for a minute. Matter of fact, just hold your place there just for a minute. Go to Luke, the 21st chapter, verse 15. I want to show you some Scriptures here that will give you some insight as to what Jesus said about wisdom and what He was going to do for you. 21st chapter of Luke's Gospel, verse 15. You think those guys were the only one that had the wisdom of God? Once you read this scripture, it'll change your life. Luke twenty-one fifteen. Okay, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to gainsay nor resist. Well, let's see if he did. Acts. Keep your place there in 1 Corinthians 6.10. He said, you just stick around me, guys. He says, and I'll give you a mouth and wisdom to go along with it. That your adversaries, none of them will be able to gainsay nor resist the wisdom that comes from you. And look at what he said over here about uh, Stephen in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. Let's start with verse 8. And Stephen, Acts 6, 8, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Disputing with Stephen. Verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he... I'll give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries can gainsay nor resist. They could not resist the words that came forth from his mouth because the, the Lord held true to what he said. Oh, when the enemy comes around you like a flood, don't go looking to the left or to the right. Don't go looking to the realm of the, this natural realm. Don't go looking to the things of man. But if you'll just begin to look at the wisdom of God on the inside of your spirit... The words of life will come forth and your enemies will, it'll cause them to flee out from you in many ways. They'll not be able to resist the words that come out of your mouth. This is what he's saying to us. That's exactly what happened in Stephen's case. They could not resist it. They could not resist it. They could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And now let's go back to 1 Corinthians and I'll show you why. You write this down in your Bible we, we're, going to get, we're going to get through this, and we're going to get through a little bit more when we study wisdom itself. We're going to go into a study on wisdom itself I'm, apart from this, an in-depth study on wisdom. It'll be a series, and as we're led by the Holy Spirit, it'll, it's going to come up. And we're going to show you how to operate in the wisdom of God. Amen? Okay, in the second chapter now. Well, let's read right on through. We finished verse 29 of the first chapter. That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. All right, Jesus has already made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
Now, write down at least these seven things that wisdom knows. The reason why we can be sure of ourselves when we operate in the wisdom of God is the, are these three reasons, or seven reasons right here. These are the reasons why we could be sure of ourselves when we're operating in the wisdom of God. We could be sure that we have received of God whatever we, we need. We could be positive that we have the things of God. And this is why. In verse, chapter 2, verse 1, Paul starts by saying this, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He did not come with earthly wisdom, but godly wisdom knows, number one, verse two right there, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I came with these words, Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the wisdom of God. What does it say back there in the first chapter? To those that perish, it's foolishness. But to us that are saved, it is the wisdom of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. So, so Paul came to them. Look at verse 3. And as I was with you in weakness and in, in fear, in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Okay. But now he goes re referring again. Write this down as number 2. But in demonstration of the Spirit and in power, the wisdom of God knows the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. Paul says, I'm not coming here to tell you a story. I'm not coming here to give you 50 cent words. I'm not coming here to dispute man's wisdom with you. I've come to show you the demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God through His wisdom. That's exactly what he did. This is what wisdom knows. Okay? For what purpose? Verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. Friends, it's time to put away the wisdom of this world. I'm going to tell you right now. We have got to put that wisdom away if we're going to get anywhere in the kingdom of God. Nor the princes of this world. Notice what he said. They come to nothing. He said that diagnosis, you've got nothing as far as the wisdom of God's concerned. might be something to you. But as far as the wisdom of God's concerned, it's nothing. He says, if you'll just get involved in my wisdom, you'll bring to naught that report, that evil report, by things that are not. And that's exactly what he did right here. He brought to naught the wisdom of this world and the powers of this world. They come, as a matter of fact, one translation says, the powers of darkness... Are been, they've been brought down to nothing and are declining to the end. Did you ever get to a place of nothing and then decline? Listen. Satan has been brought down to nothing and he's declining to his end. He is in the minus column. He was brought down to zero. And people, I hear people all the time say, oh, the devil's, he's tricky. He doesn't. Forget the devil. He's brought to a big zero. And now he's going minus one, minus two, minus three. My, the clock is ticking down. And blessed be God, his place of residence in the eternal lake of fire and brimstone forever is waiting for him. And he knows it and he is sweating. 
Glory be to God. And when you begin to operate in the wisdom of God, then you stand fast and bring him all the things that are around you to nothing. And let them decline to their end. Can you see how that works? I don't care what the report is in your life. If you'll get the wisdom of God in it, you'll bring it down to naught. It'll decline to its end right before your eyes. Okay, let's go on. But we speak wisdom of God in a mystery. Okay, the next one, verse 7. Number 3. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. What have we been studying for the last 20 lessons? The mystery of the operation of the kingdom of God in the heart of man. That's what it says. It's given unto you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Isn't that what Jesus said there? But to them that are without, it's hidden from them. Blessed be God. We, He said, I speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. It's no longer hidden, friends. It's been revealed to you and it's been revealed to me that we can know how to operate in the wisdom of God. Nine. But as it is written, I had not seen... I'm sorry. Finish verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know what that says to me in, in this context, in the light of what we're preaching right now? It's just so beautiful. When you operate in the wisdom of God, I want you to see this, the devil doesn't know what you're doing. He said, I just slapped that, I know I just slapped that girl with pain in her side that's unbearable. And she's walking around saying, by his stripes I'm healed. Glory, glory, hallelujah. By his stripes I'm healed. She's singing. He said, I didn't program her like that. What's going on? Do you know? No, they don't know. They don't understand what we're doing. And then she's going off praying in tongues. I never heard of that language before. Where'd that come from? They're not all knowing, these demons and evil spirits. They don't know all the wisdom of God. Had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And had they known it in your life, they, they wouldn't know what to do anyhow. They don't know how to combat the wisdom of God. They don't know how to combat the knowledge of God. They've got to deceive you into doing it against yourself by reversing the process in your own life to get you to confess your sickness or confess your disease and bring it upon yourself. But when you start to operate the wisdom of God, they say, that person should be desperate right now. They owe so much money by a certain amount of time. They should be desperate, but they're walking around saying, My God, supply all my need according to the riches and glory of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. They don't understand it. You say, Well, I don't understand it. Well, stop teaming up with the devil. Amen? Every time people say, I don't understand, I don't understand how, I don't understand the Bible. I just, I read, 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 but I don't understand the Bible. Neither does the devil. I never had any problem understanding the Bible. I mean, I got saved right out of a denominational church when I'm to a crane and I never said I don't understand this Bible. I just began to read it. That's all. You're born again. you got the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. Just go ahead and just sit down and stop saying you don't understand the Bible. When you just begin to confess and say, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. I understand all the deep things of God. Yay, the deep things of God. Start calling those things that are not as though they were and you'll bring down the things that are. Even though you don't have the insight into God's Word, it'll bring that down and it'll uplift the Word of God and the wisdom of God will come forth out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit. 
And you'll begin to operate, and the princes of this world, they'll say, oh, this guy's nuts. And I mean, the wisdom of this world will really say you're crazy. You walk in that doctor's office and say, well, I, you know, I just believe that by a stripe time, he'll glory be to God. And some people just don't understand it. And of course, they won't understand it because they have the wisdom of this world. But I guarantee you, you'll walk off hill and set free and deliver. And it won't be because of what they did. It'll be because of what the Word of God did inside your spirit. Well, we can get on to that forever. Let's go, let's go on to the next one. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither is in the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that, that, that love Him. In other words, the wisdom of God knows the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. It knows it. It didn't say that man does not know it. Listen to what it says again. I has not seen, neither has entered into the heart of man, or near her ear heard, has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them to us, so wisdom knows the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. He has prepared a table for you in the presence of all of your enemies. Most people don't know that. But the wisdom of God knows that. What kind of a table? It's called the Word. I gave it to you before. The table that's prepared before you has the meat of God's Word, the milk of God's Word, the fruit of the Spirit for your dessert. Amen. The oil of the Holy Spirit for you, for your salad. It's got all that good stuff is on the table before you. It's prepared for those that love Him. All you've got to do is sit down and eat. And if you knew that healing was the children's bread, huh? You like bread? Eat it. He told the Syrophoenician woman, he said, Hey, that's the children's bread. She goes, I know it. I'll take a crumb. She got it, didn't she? See, you've got to know these things are prepared for you because He loves you and you love Him. So wisdom knows the things that God's prepared for them that love Him. I don't want to take too much time. Next one. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Number five. 1 Corinthians 2.10. The deep things of God. The wisdom of God knows the deep things of God. This is the wisdom of God. Jesus said, You that dig deep and lay a foundation upon the rock which is doing my word, that's the person who's going to be unmovable and unshakable. When? When tragedy and calamity and the storms of life come your way, over there in Luke, the sixth chapter, Jesus said, And when they come by your house, it could not be moved. That's telling me, friends, that everything out there is coming towards your house. But when you operate the wisdom of God, you will not be moved. Not will not, but you cannot be moved, according to what Luke said. You can't be moved when you're operating the Word of God. Oh, and that peace will just boil up in your spirit. You'll just be... Walking in the peace of God, you'll be umpired by the peace of God. Wisdom will take over and you'll just be delivered by the forces of light. Angel, angelic beings will be, they'll be busily going to and fro throughout the earth on your behalf. Just like the eyes of the Lord. They're going to and fro throughout the whole earth to find you. Which one? You. They'll go over a thousand people just to get to one that's operating in faith in the wisdom of God. And if he finds you, you've got it. See, those thousand will fall by your side. Ten thousand around you will fall into your right hand. But when it comes to you, it won't come now. You. Why? You're operating in the wisdom of God. You know the deep things of God. Next one. Verse 
12. Let's read right on through 11, though. For what, verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, said the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. He's talking about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, the wisdom of God. Number six, knows the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, you ready for this? You write in parentheses by that verse, Romans 8.32. He that spared not his only Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him? Here's the key word, freely. Freely. Freely give us all things. What are the things that are freely given to us of God? You got your shouting clothes on? Say it with me. What are the things that are freely given us of God? Romans 8, 32 said, All things. All things. He gave you Christ. He didn't hold Him back, but He delivered Him up for us all. That He, through Christ, could freely give us all things. And, of course, that pertain to life and godliness. They're freely given to you. The man of God that operates the wisdom of God knows all the things that are freely given to him of God. Next one, the last one, number seven, is found in the 16th verse. But who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But who, or for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? You ready? But we have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God knows the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God knows the mind of Christ. That's what the wisdom of God knows. It knows the mind of Christ. Now, her ways are ways of pleasantness. All and her paths are paths of peace. When you're operating in the wisdom of God, it's because you know the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because you know all the things that are freely given to you of Him. It's because you have the power to bring down, bring down those things that are by things that are not. Call those things that may not as though they were. You know all the things that are prepared for us by God because we love Him and He loves us. You've got that table prepared before you. You know that it's yours. It's the wisdom of the cross of Jesus Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You know how to get it. You know how to obtain it. You know how to walk in it. You know how to use it. And when you go forth in the wisdom of God, it doesn't matter what stands in your way. It doesn't matter what stands in your way. When you have released the wisdom, the force of wisdom from your spirit, peace is going to take over instantly. Go to Philippians 4. We'll close your eyes. I've got... Well, praise God. we got so much here. The Word is power-packed. The Word is full. You could climb things from a mountain from every different side and get so much in the Word of God, it'll just set you loose. And I'll tell you what, friends, if you're having a problem reading your Bible, there is something wrong. My problem is the other way and it's going to stay that way. I just can't seem to get it all in. 
I just can't seem to get as give out. I mean, really give it all out as much as I want to give out. I, I've been around a lot of preachers. They said, you know, we have a problem. We just don't know what to preach. I'd be glad to go over their place for a while. I got so much to preach, glory to God. I mean, you know that. Amen. I've never said that. I've never had a problem making up a sermon. Dear God, dear God, Him. Oh, I, I'll say this. I had a problem getting all into one. You know. Amen. There's just too much in the Word of God. I mean, you could just go, I could just, we could teach, teach, teach this lesson right here now, probably till like tonight. I mean that sincerely. And just go on and go on and go on and go on and go on. Why? Because if you're digging deep into the Word of God, there's just so much in there. You know, the, there's nuggets on the surface, but there's gold down deep. That's where all the gold mine's at. And when you start to dig deep in that Word, you, you, you just can't get enough of it. It just comes out of your spirit. You just want to just stay and saturate yourself in that Word, in the wisdom of God. Let's go to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Get this out because we'll get halfway through this anyhow. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll just give you a highlight in, in James and then we'll close it out. But we'll get more in-depth in the wisdom of God when we study just the wisdom of God. So in, I'm going to read to you also from the Amplified Translation of the Bible in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 7. I didn't get much into peace, but I'll leave that for you to study. I, give you, I gave you enough of the principles of the parable to show you that these spiritual forces have got to be released from your spirit in order to keep your heart in a place that is ready to receive from God. Every born-again believer should always, at all times, be instant in season and out of season, always ready. I should not only be ready for a service, I should be ready as I walk, my daily walk. And when you come to me, or I go to you, and I say, Brother, can you pray the prayer of faith at me? I should have to wait till you get on your knees and say, Oh, Lord, God, forgive me for, that, blah, 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 for about an hour. You should be walking in it, and I should be walking in it. Amen? That's right. And if you're walking in the wisdom of God, you'll be ready at all times for any circumstance that comes your way. And that's where people get defeated. They're not ready all the time. Amen? They think just because I didn't get out of tongues for four hours, or out of prayer for four hours, or out of the Word for four hours, I can't be ready to pray. That's ridiculous. You should always be ready. At all times. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 7. In the, in the King James, it says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep... Now, here's the, here's the word. Keep or protect your heart. Keep or protect your heart. See, it's the heart we're talking about. It'll protect or keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. When you're operating from your spirit, the Word of God, in that wisdom, then peace will be there. If the peace is not there, then you've got to go back. If the peace is there, that peace will keep your heart. It'll keep you from changing your confession. It'll keep you from uh, uprooting your seed of faith. It'll keep you and keep your mind from receiving the wrong thoughts that'll destroy what you believe. Now, in the Amplified Version of that same Scripture, it says in verse 7, And God's peace be yours, that tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, that peace we said in our previous definition is assured of a oneness with God. 
you are assured that you have obtained a oneness with God or a relationship with God that is sound. So in other words, when you have asked God for your money, when you've asked God for your healing, when you've asked God for your deliverance, when you've asked the Father for the bread that you need, that tranquil state uh, comes in your spirit, that peace, that quietness, that assurity, you're knowing that you have connected with the throne of God and that prayer request is met at that time. And that state on the inside assures you that God heard you, God answered you, it keeps your mind from saying, no, He didn't. It keeps your mind by saying, glory to God, He heard my prayer. I know He heard my prayer. I have a unity with Him in this. I know He, he made it good. In Jesus' holy name, I've got the peace. And I don't care what comes your way, friends. It doesn't matter what comes your way. You'll never go off and say, no, I didn't get it. You'll say, hallelujah. It could look dark and dismal. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You'll say, I know it. And they'll say, how do you know it? The peace of God that passes all understanding. I just know that I received whatever it is. Now, that's how the Word works. That's how the operation works. And I'll just throw this in for a sidekick. James, the first, third chapter, rather. James, the third chapter, defines for you wisdom. It defines it for you. Well, let's just very quickly and we'll close. Scoot right through it. James, we'll close it right here. Okay, I'll just very quickly give you these definitions. So I'd say get the tape if you know. And listen, I'd rather you listen. If you're writing, if you could write fast, take shorthand, okay. If not, get the tape, listen to it. Because I'm going to go through these real quick. Let's look at verse 17. In, in, in the previous verses, it's talking about the wisdom of the world. In the last two verses, it's talking about the wisdom of God. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is number one first. It's pure. It's free from defilement. It's not contaminated. It's not carnal. And notice that it's talking about the tongue. This wisdom is talking about the tongue. The whole third chapter of James is talking about the tongue. And he goes on to say these other things. Is, that's the wisdom of the world. Contaminated. What defiles a man, James said? The tongue. That tongue is not contaminated. It's not defiled. It's not carnal. But that tongue is pure. It's free from defilement. Free from carnality. It's speaking only the mind of God. Number two. It's then what? Don't you love it? The word's consistent. It's peaceable. It's peaceable. Quiet, peaceful. Communion. Are you ready? It made communion with God. It's peaceable. It's made a connection. It's made a communion with God. You've released it from your spirit. It's now made its communion with God. You can sit back because you've got the peace. Then third... It's gentle or meekness, fitting, moderate or fair. Number four, easily entreated. It's ready to obey, to be persuaded. I could preach an eye right there. To be persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded that God was able to do it if he said it. This kind of wisdom is fully persuaded and ready to obey regardless of circumstances. If you know you're... I don't care what your circumstances look like around you. I don't care if it seems like that it, everything's going to fall in. The wisdom of God is ready to obey. Even when God said, forget your body, don't consider it. Consider this fact. I said you'll have a child even though you're 99 years old. Abraham says, you said it, Lord. That settles it for me. That's how it's easily entreated. Number five, mercy. It's compassion. Mercy is God's attitude towards those that are in distress. You've got to know this. 
Grace is God's attitude towards the lawbreaker. Grace is God's attitude towards the sinner, towards the lawbreaker. Mercy is God's attitude towards somebody who's in distress, in despair. Come to me, he said, and you'll find mercy. You operate in the wisdom of God, you're operating in the mercy of God. Okay? And then peace is the result of that mercy. So God's got all these things waiting for you. And number six, without partiality, it's not parted, it's without uncertainty, it's not in indecision, it's without variance, it never changes. You compare that to James 1.17, you've got God, never changes, no variance. That's the wisdom of God. Without partiality. It's not parted, it's not separated like that. And the last one, without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. And that just means this. No play acting. No play acting. You know there's a lot of people that like to play act. You know, I heard some, someone, matter of fact, told me this. They said, uh, I've had it with you Christians. I've been to this church, I've been to that church, I've been to this church, I've been to that church. You people preach, you should love one another. You people preach, you should do this. You pre people preach. When I called for help, they said, I didn't get it. What do you think hypocrite means? You, yeah, you play act. You say, if you have any need, brother, just come to me. And when I came, you know what you did? Oh, you pat him on the back and said, be clothed and warmed and God will take care of you. Yet you had it in your power to give it and you didn't give it. That's hypocrisy. That's play acting. You're playing church. The wisdom of God is not in hypocrisy. I'll say this, the wisdom of God does this. It, it, it swears to its own hurt and changeth not. That's the wisdom of God. It doesn't play games with God. If we had time to expound, we're going to expound on all this someday. I mean, I mean that sincerely. But I want to close this out by saying this. We're not playing games with God, friends. When you choose to make God your source, you are choosing to get rid of the wisdom of this world. That is the greatest step anybody will ever make in their lives. Not just to make Him Lord and Savior of your life, but make Him source of your life. It means putting away all earthly sources and just going to the source of the one that created the world. We're going to close right here. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.